Hi, I'm Kim Rickards, professional superglue and co-creator of Manifest. Manifest is a global platform with the vision to empower professionals of color to make connections and build intentional community to manifest careers, dreams, and goals. In this podcast, we will nurture, inspire, connect, and elevate our listeners through relevant stories and conversations. Now, let's Manifest. Hey, everyone. Thanks for joining me for another episode of Let's Manifest. Today, I'm actually going to be talking about lupus, the chronic autoimmune disease that can damage any part of the body, including the skin, joints, and organs. And according to womenshealth.gov, about nine out of 10 adults with lupus are actually women. Lupus for many women may feel like a death sentence. It may be death to their dreams, their hopes, their goals, and overall a good life. But my guest today, she actually attests that that's not what lupus has meant for her. And lupus for her has meant a catalyst of renewal of dreams, hopes, goals, and living a great life. Dina Thatchett was diagnosed 26 years ago over being hospitalized for a month, after being hospitalized, sorry, for a month, pronounced clinically dead three times and given a five-year prognosis. Today, Dina joins Les Manifest to share her journey as a stage four lupus nephritis thriver that helps patients, families, physicians, and others increase awareness, inspires empathy, improves treatments, and quality of life for lupus patients. Dina is now a wife and a blessed mother of two-year-old Isla, has a degree in early childhood studies, is a certified child life specialist, and has worked for Make-A-Wish Illinois for over 20 years. When Dina is not doing all of these great things, nor is she advocating or running after Isla, she's enjoying cooking, baking, throwing dinner parties, volunteering, reading, and the works. Dina, my dear, welcome to Less Man of Peace. You are quite the busy lady. Well, thank you so much, Kim. Thanks for having me. And yes, I am I'm busy and I am tired. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, after that, I was like, whoo, how does she keep up? How does she keep up? And today we're going to learn that we're going to get into, you know, how you have been doing in terms of life with lupus and thriving with lupus. Um, We're going to dispel some myths and some misconceptions. But before we get into that, I want to do two things. The first thing I want to do is remind listeners to leave their five star reviews and ratings and just express their gratitude and feedback for the space that this podcast continues to create through conversations like the one we're going to have that spark hope, inspiration, and empowerment. All of the reviews are greatly appreciated. And the second thing that I want to do is play a quick game of this or that with you. So Dina, are you ready? I am ready. Let's do this. Well, before we do this, I should have asked you, have you ever played before? I have never played before. Ooh. Okay. So (laughs) the rule to the game is that you're going to say whatever comes to mind and you're not supposed to think about this. <laughs> so <laughs> this is probably going to be one of the, probably one of the only times you don't really have to think, you just have to say. Okay. Sounds All good. right. Well, let's get started. So the first one is chips and guac or chips and salsa? Chips and salsa. Lemon or lime? Ooh, lemon. Indoors or outdoors? Indoors. FaceTime or... FaceTime, COVID safe, of course. <laughs> FaceTime. Football or basketball? Football. Hmm. Pepperoni pizza or cheese pizza? Cheese. Truth or dare? Truth. 
And the last one, living boldly or living under the radar. Uh, boldly, for sure. For sure, right? I'm like, nobody wants to be under the radar. Um, and that's not your story, which I believe, like, as we get to talk today, I, listeners will hear more of how you have been living courageously and boldly and really being a person who is not taking her prognosis to mean that it's the end of something, right? Like you have really been using this as a way to positively reinforce the other areas in your life and to continue to accomplish the dreams and goals that you have. So without me giving people too much about you, I want to know what are three things people may not know about you? Oh, uh, great question. Um, (laughs) So I would say, uh, well, you'd be hard pressed to find anyone that um, would not describe me today as an extrovert and outgoing and very talkative. But as a child, I was actually painfully shy and quiet. And I only began to find my voice um, sometime between seventh and eighth grade, um, partially out of necessity after a really difficult situation. Um, but that's a whole nother podcast. So we'll, (laughs) um, uh, second, as you had um, shared, I work for the Make-A-Wish Foundation of Illinois, but, um, my backup plan, if I had not been hired full-time by them was to actually to move to Paris, to be a nanny, um, for the United Nations, but specifically for my niece, and, and to travel with them all over creation and then to go to pastry school, which I had it all laid out and planned. And then I don't know if you call it luckily or unluckily, but <laughs> hired me and the rest is history. Wow. Pastry. Huh. Yeah. Um, and one of my one of my many hobbies in my own oh, so much free time. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> um, and then the, the third one is. Uh, English is my second language, and I actually now speak three languages. I speak um, an Indian language, our family's language. I speak English, and I speak French. Awesome. Wow. Check you out. That's why you were like, United Nations, here I come. (laughs) It's like, I got to do something with this education of mine. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. And that's how it happens. But, you know, you mentioned that you would have been considered the person that was not talking and it was something that happened that led you to talk. But what would your advice be for 16-year-old Dina? So Dina has already started to talk a little bit more and now she's coming into her own womanhood. What would your advice be for her? Advice for 16-year-old Dina would be to be kinder and gentler with myself Um, to give myself the kindness and empathy and grace that I afford others um, and to believe that I'm worthy enough and that I matter. Mm, Those are all good things. Girl, you were deep. (laughs) (laughs) You would have dropped some gems on 16-year-old Dina. I'm like, what? Um, (laughs) No, but I actually love that because I do feel like, especially kindness, to ourselves. Uh-huh. We are not always kind to ourselves, especially the older we get. Mm-hmm. It's like, we have to remember, like, be kind to yourself. So I'm glad that you would have given your 16 year old self that advice. And, you know, as we start to get a little bit deeper into this conversation, I wanted to ask you to share your journey. Like what, what was it that I know I touched on it a little bit, but what was it that led to you learning that you actually had lupus and then how was that feeling like how did you feel 
what was that? What was that like? Did you, I won't even ask that question. You just start telling me. Sure. Absolutely. So, um, when I was 19 years old is when I first started having, um, symptoms that I can pinpoint. Um, up until then, I was, generally speaking, um, relatively healthy, very little to worry about. And then um, seemingly overnight, I started having um, what at the time were very vague and um, kind of um, intermittent symptom- symptoms. So um, the challenge being lupus is already a difficult diagnos- difficult illness to diagnose to begin with. And then when mm-hmm. you don't have um, a lot of symptoms or, you know, um, really significant symptoms all happening concurrently, it just makes it even more of a challenge and a mystery um, for physicians to um, figure out that it's an autoimmune condition that lupus is trying to basically rear its head. So um, for nearly a year, I actually was going back and forth to doctors. I knew I knew something was wrong. I didn't know what. And of course, I'm not the doctor. So um, I continued to share with my family and my friends that like there's there's definitely something wrong with me. Um, so we we had numerous doctor's appointments, went to numerous specialists. Um, you know, we were told many different things. There were a lot of misdi- misdiagnoses. There were a lot of missed diagnoses. And, um, and then also, unfortunately, which, unfor- you know, is very unfortunate because it's very common amongst lupus patients, um, is that um, there, was, there was some um, kind of thought that I was either making things up or that something was going on with me psychologically and that I needed to be evaluated for some sort of either mental disorder or something along those lines as opposed to, um, you know, having some sort of a medical condition because the symptoms themselves at the time were so nominal that they felt like, why is she making a big deal out of, um, so for example, I had, um, something called Raynaud's syndrome, which is painful fingers and hands, um, mm. and toes. But, um, you know, doctors were kind of looking at me like, what's the big deal? So it's February. Why don't you just put on an extra pair of gloves? Maybe your circulation is poor. So, oh wow. Um, so unfortunately there were, there was just a lot happening at the time and, um, a lot of frustration and, and, um, kind of, lost opportunity to really have a a solid conversation with the physicians. But at the same time, I was a 19 year old. I was going to these appointments with my parents and we had no reference point to ask deeper questions or further questions outside of like, okay, well, this is what the doctor said, or I just have to come back or hope that things get better. So that, that occurred for nearly a year until, um, uh, I finally, I saw a specialist that a friend had sent me to, and she diagnosed me initially with um, advanced endometriosis. And then I had emergency surgery the next morning because it was so severe that um, they needed to you know, do a laparoscopy like right away. And that, you know, we thought, oh, there it is. That's, that's what's causing all these symptoms. Like that's what we had missed all along. And, you know, shortly after that, I was hoping that like all, everything will resolve and I'll feel better. Um, only to find out that um, a couple weeks later is when I landed myself in the hospital um, and subsequently was diagnosed with meningitis as well hmm. as an E. coli intestinal infection that was basically ravaging my system. Um, they still didn't know that there was anything underlying at that point. Um, and then they um, they just started treating the meningitis as well as the E. coli um, and then sent me home. They said hmm. for 11 days and I felt horrible, but they were like, we're, you know, we're not doing much for you here outside of administering medication. Go home. 
if you don't get better um, soon, then come back and see us. Otherwise, follow up with your primary care. So that was the plan. And I was back in the emergency room 30 minutes later. <laughs> so we we didn't even have time to take off our shoes. I was back in the emergency room. And it was that night that my primary care finally brought in a special a specialist called a rheumatologist who are, um, you know, deal with, uh, you know, immune system dis- uh, disorders and diseases. Um, and, and the one that I saw was a special specialist that um, focused on lupus. And um, he came in, he asked us a thousand questions for like nearly two hours. And then finally was able to pinpoint that it was likely lupus that was underlying um, when we told him. So after my surgery a couple weeks prior, um, they, after an endometrial surgery, they give you the birth control pill to regulate your cycle. And Mm -hmm. that was actually the trigger for me. It was that shift in hormones when I, and I had just started taking the pill that day or the day before. And that's what actually triggered and caused the lupus to go into a full blown, full blown flare. Um, which essentially means that like it was um, ravaging my system and threatening my life at that time. So the, oh my goodness. the inflammation was um, throughout my entire body, in my brain, in my lungs, in my heart, um, my kidneys, skin everywhere. So it was, it was a kind of a process of elimination, but um, through an acute emergency situation that we figured out what was actually going on with me. Right, right. And thank God we figured out what they figured out what was going on. Because 30 minutes later, wow. Yes. (laughs) I'm like, is that record time? I I wonder if the medical staff was like, this is the first we've ever seen of this because that is so fast to, to turn around, especially after having been seen. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, when they, when they, released me, I was quote unquote, okay. I mean, I was stable on the meds they were giving me, but I was also on the IVs. I was under their, you know, um, care. They were monitoring my blood pressure, all of those things. And right. I mean, I, you know, it was only a matter of time. Like it would have likely happened anyways, if, if I was still in the hospital, it just so happened to be at home. So. Right. Yeah. Right. And as we start talking about this, just so listeners to get a better understanding, what are some of the misconceptions and the myths, if you will, that people have about lupus, because you just talked about the flare up and how it affects all over your body, not just one particular area. But have you heard some of the misconceptions and misunderstandings that people have about the the disease? Oh, absolutely. Um, there's, I would say there's a good handful. So um, certainly many and most people have heard, uh, you know, something about lupus on some of the more famous television shows in the past, but still know very little about it. Um, the awareness is still, you know, relatively low. Um, when they do hear the word lupus, they, and, and that it's somehow related to the immune system, there are some who think that it's contagious, which I will be the first to say it is not. It is not <laughs> contagious. You cannot catch, you know, lupus from any one or from me or from anyone else for that matter. Um, uh, everyone that I meet has some sort of a cure or a solution ranging from, um, I need to get more sleep to apple cider vinegar, to meditation, to, um, yoga. And, um, certainly I appreciate, um, the concern. I do appreciate and um, believe in alternative and complementary therapies as well mm-hmm. as the placebo effect to a degree. Um, but I also still have lupus as do, 
millions of others, um, despite doing um, many of these complementary things. And it is a chronic, often life-threatening condition um, with few lupus-specific therapies and without a cure. So, um, you know, with all due respect, like those those things are helpful and can take care of some symptoms or, you know, wellness in general, but right. um, they're not going to get rid of lupus. So um, I, that's certainly one of the bigger ones. And then I would say really the most significant um, one is that um, because lupus is, is, you know, has so many invisible symptoms and many of us look well and or, you know, we're high functioning members of society, um, others, others think or assume that it's either no big deal um, or it's not as bad as that we say it is, that we're kind of making it up or exaggerating. Um, and, you know, that actually adds insult to injury because so many of us are um, often are in extreme pain. We have fatigue, we have joint pain, inflammation. So, you know, there are times, there are days that I can't get out of bed. Like I physically mm. cannot move. And, um, and therefore my husband, my baby, my mom, you know, everyone around me has to, you know, kind of manage and, and help me through my day and, and make sure that I'm taken care of. So, um, and while while we may not look sick and stuff, we many of us have life threatening complications or these painful episodes and disease progression. Um, but we don't look or act sick, whatever the heck that means. That means right, exactly. Right. Um, and you know, it those things can be often held against um, you know someone with lupus, and um, it can prevent individuals from getting the empathy, validation, and care um, that they need. It can, you know, damage reputations where if someone's assuming or thinking that they're making things up, um, that, you know, they're not, um, that they're not being truthful in some way. Um, so um, certainly that is, I would say, the really, the biggest one. And, you know, many other lupus patients would concur with that. And I think we'd all be millionaires or billionaires and, and be able to cure lupus if we had a nickel for every time that I've been told, but you don't look sick, or at least you look great. Ugh. And how frustrating is that you don't look sick? Yeah, yeah. It's like, come on. I mean, the apple cider vinegar one. I, <laughs> I'm like, ACV is pretty good for a few things, but yeah. To, <laughs> well, that's that's new for sure. For I, sure. I I thought I've heard it all, and then I hear something else. I'm like, thank <laughs> thank you for sharing. That is my that's my go to now. Thank you for sharing. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Because at that point, what can you say? Yeah. You know, and it's sad that people would still think you can catch this, right? Mm -hmm. Like, it's not something that you can catch. And just like other autoimmune diseases or deficiencies of diseases, you cannot catch those either by just walking next to someone, right? You know, like all of these things. Uh, yeah, people, 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 <laughs> people being people, right? Like, yeah. that's, that's, that's sadly what it is. But you know, you talk, we talked a little bit about the misconceptions and things that people may have, but let's talk about the positive things because again, you are a thriver. So this has not been all bad for you. And it's crazy even saying that, but truly your life has been quite awesome for someone who has been diagnosed, who basically, you know, like you said, pronounced dead and, and you're alive here telling your story. So I want to know, like, what are the positive things that have come about and what has this taught you about yourself? Oh, absolutely. Um, definitely a lot of positives that have come from it and, and a, a life that I am proud of and proud to live out loud and authentically. So 
um, you know, certainly at the at the front end, um, one of the the earliest positives was just getting the diagnosis in the first place. And you know, I know that sounds strange, like you know, getting a diagnosis of a chronic and you know life threatening condition. But um, you know, to to have a reason for why I was feeling what I was feeling and a name for what was happening to me, um, to be validated and know that I wasn't you know making things up or going crazy or any of those things, um, and then to be able to work together with my medical team to come up with a treatment plan. I think that in and of itself, that became a positive after a year long, you know, saga. And then, you know, as you indicated, being in the hospital for a month, being pronounced dead three times. I mean, that's something that you you don't hear every day and that you, you know, I've had to come to terms with and my family has had to come to terms with that, you know, three different times in the course of a month, we were given that information. And then yet here I am 27 years, nearly 27 years later, and here I am. So that was a positive. Mm -hmm. Um, After getting the diagnosis and then kind of going through what is, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to minimize it anyway. It was hard. It was very difficult to go through that, to start to feel, you know, it took time to start to feel better. The treatments were really difficult. I went through chemotherapy um, twice, actually, for a year and a half each time. So a total of three years of chemotherapy to reduce the inflammation, in my, specifically in my kidneys. Um, um, but one, you know, kind of as time progressed and as I was looking at my life and taking stock of what I was facing and dealing with, um, I was given a five-year prognosis and, you know, I, I just decided at that point to, um, to try to focus on what I can do for whatever time I had left. So I didn't know if it was going to be one year, five years, 20 years, hundred years, like uh, there's nobody really knows that. So um, I just accepted it to a degree and decided to focus on the positive. Um, and part of that was, how can I make sense of this and use it to help others? So I've just always, my my go-to um, kind of natural inclination is to be of service, to be a helper. It's just always, it's in my DNA. It's something that I was born with and also raised um, around. So I, I went about trying to figure out, like, how can I make it easier for others who either have this diagnosis or, you know, trying to get to a diagnosis, whether lupus or any other illness for that matter. I mean, it's challenging when you don't have an answer. It's frustrating. The entire medical system is not easy to maneuver. And we were definitely the lucky ones. You know, I have parents who were with me every step of the way. I had insurance. We could go to wherever we needed to. We had, you know, money to pay for the treatments. And I was very keenly aware of the fact that not everybody has that. Not everybody has that privilege. And so um, I was very grateful for that. And I wanted to make a difference for others that were going, you know, facing similar things and to try to help, you know, if they were diagnosed with lupus, try to help them maneuver what that, especially at that early stages, what that looked and felt like to try to make it better for them, um, better than what I had experienced. So, um, so I think that's certainly, um, you know, a positive that has come of it and that has led to and turned into um, a, you know, very much an advocacy and advisory platform of mine that um, I'm very proud of. Um, for 13 years straight pre-COVID, I actually um, went to Capitol Hill in Washington, D.C. annually to um, help advocate for funding for awareness as well as funding um, for research and better treatment options for lupus. Um, and so I'm happy to be able to share my journey, share my story, the ups, the downs, the sideways, all, everything involved so that our elected officials um, and decision makers can, you know, m- put resources where it's necessary to try to treat it better and then also potentially down the line 
um, hopefully find a cure. I mean, that's really the, the, the long stretch goal. Absolutely. So, um, so I would say, you know, those really, really are a lot of the, the positives that have come of it. And certainly, you know, I can look at my life and say, you know, I, I, through this journey, I met my husband through this journey. I have mm-hmm. my baby through this journey. I have um, some of the most incredible friends that, you know, I had this entire group of friends prior to being diagnosed that are amazing and that I'm still, you know, close to. And then mm-hmm. a whole new set of friends post-diagnosis because I, you know, because of being ill, I ended up having to drop out of college. I ended up going to a new college. So I have these incredible relationships pre and post diagnosis that I would, wouldn't trade for anything. And, and individuals that have, you know, supported me and helped me and prayed for me all throughout this journey, they're a hundred percent there for me. Um, even if they don't necessarily understand everything that I face. So, right. Right. And that's the thing. I love that you touched on this because you have gained a new community during all of this. And, you know, so many people, they may look at things and they're looking at the bad side of it, not realizing that everything is balanced, right? So there's good that comes out of it as well. And here you are now sharing even more goodness with others because you're educating people on what this could look like, you know, in terms of if they are diagnosed, they don't have to live in this bubble of worry and and fear and just feeling like life is over, they can now reach out to someone like you who would be able to help guide them through to give them that encouragement and to really share with them, you know, some of the things that you have gone through and how you how you have successfully come out on the other side. And I'm sure it's not easy every day, but you're still doing it. And I think like that's part of what I found so inspiring about your story is that every day you continue to do the things that you want to do because you know that ultimately this is your story to live. You know, like you're not going to just take what the doctor's story is and then take that on and say, yep, that's what it is. You know, I have lupus. That's it. The end is the end is here. Mm-hmm. Instead, you've been like, OK, I have lupus. And I still went back to school and graduated. And I still, you know, like there's so many other and I stills that you have been able to apply to your life, which is awesome. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, I would say kind of the final thing in terms of not final, there's so many, but um, (laughs) one additional thing is just, you know, I've, I've, I've realized that I'm, I'm really not afraid of dying. I'm more concerned about not living. And that's the driving force that, um, for me, and that what I try to share and impart with um, others that are diagnosed again with lupus or any any medical condition or even just any adversity that like you know focus on what you can do and and big or small it doesn't matter it doesn't have to be the earth shattering you know um, huge dreams of yesteryear or yesterday and stuff like you know the small things matter just as much if not more mm-hmm. um, and that you know resilience and tenacity and strength um, grit like all of those things are what matter and help me through my day to day. Um, and that I can, I can, I've learned how to trust my body to do the right thing rather than only focusing on what it did wrong or does wrong every day. Um, and that miracles can still happen. I, you know, I, I'm a, I'm thriving and I, you know, based on my labs, based on my story, based on my history, I shouldn't be, I shouldn't be here. I shouldn't have the things that I have. I shouldn't be doing the things I'm doing or experiencing the things I'm experiencing, but I am, and I choose to, and I um, want that for others as well. So Dina, you've been truly inspirational and, you know, some people that are listening may say, you know, sis, I get it. 
you have gone through a lot. This has been your journey, but I just got diagnosed with lupus. What is your advice for them? Sure, certainly. That that um, time at the beginning when you're first diagnosed, it's, it is very scary. And I would say first and foremost, I would validate what you're feeling. Um, it is scary. It's scary to get a diagnosis. It's scary to get a diagnosis of something that um, is still a little bit of a mystery and not fully understood. Um, and that it's okay to feel all of those things and to um, be kind and gentle with yourself and accept that um, this is a scary time. Um, but don't lose hope that, you know, you can get better and that things can get better. Um, and then I would say um, work towards becoming an, an advocate for yourself um, and partner together with the um, with your medical team and, um, you know, make sure that you're part of the conversation. You know, they they are the experts when it comes to the diagnosis and the medications and treatments and all of those good things. But, um, you know, you're the expert on you. And so they you need to make sure that um, you have a voice and that they're listening to what is important to you and who you are as a person, not just as someone who has been diagnosed with lupus. So, um, you know, just making sure that they understand you know, what, what all is, in, you know, um, involved in whatever treatments that they're choosing so that they're um, partnering with you and making the best decisions together as a team. Um, and then, you know, um, if, if for some reason, like if you're not feeling well or just not able to advocate for yourself, make sure that you commission someone in, you know, a family member, a friend, someone close to you that will be an ally and advocate for you and, you know, go to your appointments with you and take notes and ask questions and make sure that, you know, certainly lupus fog is, is a big deal and you might be feeling a little bit, you know, kind of lost, you know, and not really necessarily absorbing information. So if that's the case, take someone with you, you know, write down your questions, write down the answers, record it. Like there's many different ways to advocate for yourself so that you have the information so that you're empowered. Um, the only bad question or, or you know, negative question is the one that, that you don't ask. Um, once you've asked a question, even if it's not the information you want to hear or you don't like the answer, you are still empowered because you can make a decision from there as to what to do. <laughs> mm -hmm. Say if if you have a team or a doctor that are is not a good listener or not listening to what um, is important to you or you know kind of glossing over what what you would like to know. Um, and just be, being in that kind of old school, like I'm the doctor, I'm the authority, you're the patient, listen to me. It, that that doesn't necessarily always work very well. And so if that's the case, don't be afraid to fire your medical team. Um, it is possible. It is okay. I have done it before. Um, the rheumatologist that diagnosed me, he of course is the one that gave me my diagnosis. He gave me my initial treatment plan. He got me back from the brink of death numerous times, all of those wonderful things. And I'm, you know, eternally grateful for that. Right. Uh, but down the line in my journey after um, a good number of years, um, when we started talking about um, additional things such as fertility and potentially getting pregnant, um, all of a sudden it just turned into a, you know, he didn't want to necessarily listen to me. He didn't want to be a partner with me and even just have a conversation about the possibility of getting there one day or doing some tests to find out if it would even be possible. And he didn't want to go there with me. And I gave him a little bit of space and I tried again. And then I finally decided to thank him for his service. And then I fired him and I found a team of doctors that was willing to learn and, um, and grow with me and help guide me towards that direction if that was what was written for me. So not to say that I just 
doctor shopped in order to find somebody that would say what I wanted to hear. It was someone that was willing to be in the conversation with me that understood who I was outside of my lupus and could give me the information that I needed to know to make an educated decision that is this even something that we are able to and want to pursue. Because of course it was risky and difficult, but she was in it with me and she understood it. And so she made sure not to jeopardize that by giving me medications that would hamper that further than where what I already was facing. So, um, I think it's important to know that like you, you can fire them, you can move on from them and that's okay. Right. You have to own, again, it's all about owning your story. And although these are the experts and, you know, again, we are grateful for them. You know yourself as well. You know what the goals are that you have for yourself. You know, the life that you would love to live. So I think that you're absolutely right. You have to be partners with those people that you are essentially giving um, giving your, your, or putting your trust in, not giving, but putting your trust in to actually see things through, you know, like you're trusting them, but they have to trust that, you know, yourself as well. And if that's not what's happening or they're not being supportive, then yeah, I agree. Empower, be empowered to fire your medical team. If that is not the team for you, do as Dina did. Yeah. <laughs> what, what would Dina do? <laughs> right. What would Dina do for sure? And, you know, Dina, as our time together comes to close, I love asking this question and I feel like I am going to get such an, an amazing answer from you. But the question really is, what are you manifesting? Oh, I am. I'm manifesting so many things. Um <laughs> I, you know, really at this point, so as you had shared earlier, we're, we're the um, proud parents of a two and a half year old. And so certainly I am calling forward a, a really big miracle to try to have a sibling or two for Miss Isla so that she's not, um, she's not an only child if we can help it. And if it's written for us, if it's in our destiny, um, I would, I'm manifesting being able to travel again safely and soon because I, it's, it's driving me bonkers. I am a big traveler and not being able to get up and go has been very painful, but um, uh, definitely manifesting that. Um, More opportunities to continue to share my lupus and fertility journey and being appropriately compensated for it. So um, I'm grateful for any opportunity to be able to share my journey. And then I'm also looking for those opportunities to be appropriately compensated because there are opportunities out there. Um, It's specifically more so with pharma related um, uh, associations, but um, you know, where they're, they're looking for our stories, they're looking for the patient journey and the patient stories in order to um, really tailor the care that they're providing or the treatments that they're providing. So um, uh, that's something I'm manifesting. Um, I am attempting to master baking French macaron mm. to, to the point of one day being able to sell them. Um, and then I am manifesting feeling truly valued, seen and heard. Oh, I love that. I love that. I knew it. I knew it. I'm like, Kim, Dina is about to come with something <laughs> that's going to be like game changing over here. And sure enough, <laughs> sure enough, what I thought has manifested <laughs> and you did not disappoint. Well, Dina, thank you so much for joining Let's Manifest and for sharing so transparently. Hopefully you have enjoyed 
our time together and, you know, you're walking away from this conversation knowing that those that are going to hear this conversation may actually take you up on your offer and reach out to you. But more than anything, you've more than likely blessed them with so much information and with so much um, courage to continue to live in spite of. So I hope that, you know, you feel that this was truly a conversation that was mutually beneficial. Oh, for sure. I am um, super grateful, Kim, for not only just for this opportunity, but for everything that you are doing. You know, you're a truth truth seeker. You're a truth teller. You are helping, you know, give voice. I mean, that's essentially, you know, what we're here to do, to give voice to people's stories and journeys and hopes and fears and dreams and all those things so that we can continue to you know move forward. So I'm super grateful to you and all of the other thought leaders in our world that are doing this wonderful, you know, we need positive work and we need to hear these positive stories and I'm grateful to you. And yeah, I am feeling very, um, very inspired myself and, and really grateful um, uh, for this opportunity. So. Awesome. Well, gratitude goes both ways. So you know that I am grateful for you. And I don't believe this is the last we'll hear of or from Dina. I'm like, <laughs> I can almost see some sort of a book or some sort of a video project coming forward as well as you continue to thrive, you know, and as you do have those other children that you bring into the fold and will be all here to say, yep, we heard it there first on yeah. Less Minute Peace podcast. So, you know, Thank you again. And listeners, before you go to the next episode of Less Manifest, this message is for you. Don't forget to share this podcast, leave a review, connect with Dina and all socials listed in the show notes. And if you have any questions, you want to say thank you to her. If you have some sort of, you know, you, you want to have a moment where you're like, look, that's me. I was so inspired by that. Or I've been in your story. I am sure Dina would love to hear from you. So definitely feel free to reach out. And until next time, let us manifest. Thanks for listening to the Manifest podcast. Before you go, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Share this with your family. Share this with your friends. Share this with your colleagues. Just share this with your entire community. And until next time, let's manifest.